Um, I've talked about this concept a little bit here and there, but a lot of CEOs, and I say this all the time, they're so quick to fire other people and say, you're horrible, you're not doing this right, you're a shitty employee, but they don't fire themselves because their ego is this big. Mm. The profits might be this small, but the ego is massive. They think they're the greatest. Um, I have a system in place, and which is a system. If someone else can do the task that I'm doing 75% as good as I can, I fire myself from it. Every month, I'm like, what am I doing every day? I fire myself from it. So that means then you give this task that you're doing, you create a system, and you give it to someone else. The Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. 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 Welcome to part three of our series that we call From Zero to $100 Million, How to Scale Your Startup Like a Pro, featuring Prady Tuari. During this episode, Prady navigates through the complexities of employing other people and examines how the appropriate systems do more than simply mitigate certain issues that arise, but they also add extreme value to your company. He dissects specific strategies, such as using a system to remove the element of human emotion from a given process within your business, as well as concepts such as firing yourself from certain tasks or duties and utilizing someone else who is more effective and or more efficient. Get ready to expand those big, beautiful brains of yours once again as we dive into the world of entrepreneurship with the eternally ambitious Prady Tawari. Hey everybody, welcome back to yet another edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. I am James and with me as always is my good friend Colt. Yes sir. And we are here once again with Mr. Prady Tawari all the way from Boston, Mass. How you doing Prady? Doing well man, doing well. Like I was telling you earlier, it's uh, every time I meet you there's a little bit of a different weather. We're, it was actually so warm today so I had to turn on the AC after a long time. I think it's the first time in the, in the year. So uh uh, but yeah, everything is going all well, man. I'm looking forward to uh, diving deep. And yeah, man, I, I always say this, but it's all about providing value to the listeners, man. Absolutely. Nice. We love that. And we love talking to you. Appreciate you coming on with us once again for this series. And, uh, you know, we're talking about entrepreneurship. And I've mentioned it before, and I'll mention it again and probably again and again. But there's just so much that goes into starting your own business that is right. not obvious, to me at least, right? And maybe it is to some and not so much to others. But, you know, diving into these these topics, I think, is so important because it not only helps people to get off the ground and start their own business by putting some of these components together and, and fitting the pieces together and whatnot, but it also gives you a clue that this might not be right for you because there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. There's a lot of complexities and a lot of uh, difficulties that you're going to go through that if you're not prepared for it, chances are you may very well land flat on your face. And so that's that's one of the big reasons why I think this is such an important topic is because you can kind of you can kind of help people to make that decision even though they they may have thought this is what I want to do, this is what I want to do. They hear all the all the the difficulties that you have going into this and they're like, "You know what? Maybe I better think about this again, right?" Did you ever have those doubts, those thoughts when you were when you were first getting started Prady, or was it just, "You know what? This is what I want to do. This is my this is what I was built for and I'm going for it." One of the things that I I hope that we get away from the show and people understand is that you can tie your idea of like whether you're going to be successful or not with with entrepreneurship. I get this question a lot from people I think every week when people ask me, hey, do you think I have what it takes to be an entrepreneur? And what they're really asking me, do you think I'm going to be successful in my life? And I'm like, dude, that has nothing to do. You can, you don't have to be an entrepreneur to be successful. And I think it's so ingrained in American like culture right now. And like in our, that if you're not an entrepreneur, if you're not Gary Vee, then you can't be successful. And that's 
bullshit. Like I know there's athletes and teachers and people who serve our country that are like really successful. So don't, um, don't tie this with general success. And at the end of the day, did I have those thoughts? Yeah. Sometimes I have those thoughts because it's just a profession. It's just like a mechanic or lawyer or doctor engineer or whatever you're doing sales. Entrepreneurship is just like being a CEO. is just a profession. So, um, I'm not trying to, I think one of the things that's different about me, I don't try to put like entrepreneurs on a pedestal like a lot of other people do just because I am one. That's not true. It's just another profession. And so the things that I'm talking about is just, hey, this is kind of the stuff that I've seen from patterns, from having sold many companies, investing in a whole portfolio of companies. I can kind of see patterns of what it takes, what happens, what can go wrong. And that's what I'm here to share. But never to put entrepreneurs on a pedestal like, hey, if you're a nine to fiver, you're a bad person. And I, I just hate when I... I actually tune out when I hear entrepreneurs on YouTube or on podcasts talk that way and they talk down on people. And I was like, dude, what the hell? You're just doing the profession. I'm just doing, I'm just going to my job like a teacher would, like there's no difference. Um, so that's somewhat different. Um, so please, like if you're listening to this and you really want to be an entrepreneur and you're like, Hey, this is not really for me. That doesn't mean you're not going to be successful. So just, I, I hope we can divorce that. from yeah. one another. I liked, I like that too, because I think one of the reasons why entrepreneurs get, uh, that kind of a framing is because they usually come with so much excitement. You know, there's yep. there's an element of motivational speaking that comes also with entrepreneurship. It seems right. like at least the ones that present themselves to the world via YouTube, via Instagram, what have you. You know, they just they have this way about really um, exciting people and, and making other people get pumped up and want to start their own business. You know, you know what? I watch Gary Vee videos now. I want to go do something <laughs> myself and take on the world, right? right? And right. so it's just kind of that natural natural element of what they do. But I, I like that you kind of take the pressure off of of those of us who who are aren't entrepreneurs, at least not at this point in time, because like you said, it's not like it's not like you're a failure. It's not like you are not as good as an entrepreneur or that you can't be right. as successful. As a matter of fact, you can be twice as successful because you're already getting right. to some kind of company or business or corporation, whatever that's that's a, or a, a industry that's established and you're not trying to work from the ground up, which is which yeah. is one of the, the very uh, hard things to do. Right. So. You know, we uh, we started this this conversation, this series, talking about mindset, which Colt and I talk a lot about mindset on the CEP. It's just something that is it's so important, right? It's the basis, it's mm -hmm. the foundation for anything that you're doing, anything that you're gearing up to do. You got to have the correct mindset. You got to have that motivating factor in order to put one foot in front of the other and keep doing that until you reach your goal. Uh, and then the second part of this series, we, you know, we talked about profits and pricing and how those things make a difference and, and how to formulate and develop those ideas so that you can indeed put one foot in front of the other to make some things happen at the beginning of your business. Now, what are we going to talk about today, Brady? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, every time we're going to build on build off of each episode and last episode, the way we kind of ended and we talked about is that your business is like an infant when you start it. It's like very fragile and you got to take care of it. Now, um, one of the things that um, that is a kind of a problem with infants is that you have to be with them and like look over them for like 24 seven. Like you can't just leave an infant, like you can't just go shopping and leave your infant like alone. Um, and that's a problem because over time, like as a parent, you want your infant to grow up and the, the fact that they're not dependent on you the whole time because that shows maturity and that shows sustainability. A parent cannot be with the child for like 24 seven for their whole life, like mm -hmm. maybe for a few months and then that's it. Um, and here, and the first thing I want to talk about is systems. And here's where that comes to play. Um, the goal of this 
is to talk about how the two S's of entrepreneurship, one is scaling, so continues to scale and get bigger. And a second one, which doesn't get talked about a lot, is sustainability. How sustainable is your business and every process in your business, how sustainable is it really? I'll uh, To explain this a little bit easily, I'm actually going to uh, speak about a personal anecdote. So this was one of my first companies. We're doing quite well um, at that time. And it was one of the first companies that where um, we were making really good revenue. And I had come to a point where I wanted to sell the company. So there was another, um, another larger uh, entity that wanted to buy out my company. And they had started doing a lot of due diligence. We're talking on the phone, have a lot of meetings. And they're like, you know what? I think we're going to do it. So the last part of it is the due diligence phase. So they actually came to our facility and had a lot of their accountants and their partners show up and to do due diligence and all of our, I mean, this was uh, where not everything was digitized. Uh, this was, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years ago. And I remember, and I was pretty excited. I was like, we're going to have a good exit. Everyone's going to be happy. And I remember at the end, after their whole tour of the facility and after they were going through all the paperwork, the partner came up to me and was like, Pray, I don't think we can do this. We can't buy our company. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? Why not? He's like, I have a problem. And I was like, what's, what's the problem, man? Tell me. And he's like, my problem is that you're here. And I was like, sorry. I, I was like, what are you talking about? Man? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? What do you mean I'm here? And I didn't understand what he was saying. But what he was saying is that every process of the business was fully dependent on me from the way we were shipping things to our accounting, to our labeling, to our packaging. I was involved in every single thing of the business to the point where, where they would take it over. They could not, the business would just completely just be destroyed because everything is dependent on me being there. So the business actually is worth zero dollars. It's worth nothing because the minute you sell the business, it's not worth anything because I'm not there anymore. Right. So it has no intrinsic value. And the reason why I want to talk about this today is because there's a lot of companies, small businesses, they start they have a product and then they have different processes in place to fulfill the needs of their customers. A lot of times as you have a product, then you sell it then you package it. Then you um, talk to all your customers on customer support. Um, then a customer says, oh, no, I want this in my order. I want that in my order. Then you're on the chat and you're doing all this stuff, which is awesome. But the problem with that is it's not sustainable because you can do that for one customer. You can do that for two customers. You can do it for 10 customers, but you can do that for 5,000 customers or 10,000 customers or 20,000 customers. So by being involved in every process of the company, you're actually limiting your growth. And the second thing that happens is that you're, we talked about scale and sustainability. A lot of entrepreneurs, if you're a CEO of the company, you want to constantly think about the next thing. How can you grow and get bigger? The problem is that most CEOs in America of small businesses, all they do is they do tasks. They are just taskmasters. That's all they do. They just do tasks. Like they have a checklist. I got to do ship out orders today. I got to label this stuff today. I got to talk to this. I got to write this email. And all they're doing is just admin work. They're not doing chief executive officer work. What's chief executive officer work? If you're a small business and you want to grow setting up partnerships, setting up better distribution deals, figuring out like strategic ways to market better, setting up relationships with, with people, networking. And you don't have time to do that if all you're doing on a daily basis is just tasks. And these are the businesses that we see that start off. They're doing okay. They have good revenue, like my own business, but all that, but they get stuck. They stay small business forever. And the reason why is because if you look at the day-to-day -day stuff that the top management, the CEO is doing, number one, the whole business is relying on them. They're manually figuring out a, to do everything in their business. Just manually, They're just doing everything. Paperwork, sometimes they're using pen and paper. Like, there's no system. And the, the third thing is that the CEO, all their taskmaster, and they're not a chief executive officer. 
And I want to talk about today is systems. So what are systems and how to, how to, how to, why they're important and how to set them up. But I wanted to just um, pause from there and see if you have any questions from that, for, from the, the audience that, with just that observation that I've made in not just once, but like 30, 40, 50 times. And that's something that I've noticed. That was a big, when, when that partner said that to me, I was like, holy shit, I never realized that my business we're making profit wise, like we're doing really, we're just in the seven figures, but the piece of your business, you have all this profit, but you're making, you're worth $0 to us. Like you're a worthless business. He said that to me on my face. I was like, dude, what are you talking about? I <laughs> sweat blood and tears. I'm doing all this stuff shipping. I was like, look at our, I said, dude, look at our like balance sheet. Like look at our profit. Like we're a profitable business. And he's like, you're worth shit. And they ended up actually buying a business, which was seven times less profitable than ours, seven times. It was just making a little bit over like, I was like doing 100 or 200 grand, nothing, almost nothing um, at the time. And they bought that business versus ours, even though ours was more profitable. Hmm. And that was a huge learning lesson for me. So with you being involved in all those processes, th those aren't things that can be taught to the next pe round of people that come through? Yeah. So this was th that they were afraid of because I had not written down or explained <laughs> or ever had, no one knew what I was, I was right. just there all the time. And, and so one of the things that happens to a lot of entrepreneurs, it's your business. You're excited about it. Like maybe you have a podcast, maybe you have a project and you're like, dude, don't touch the sound. I know how to do it. Don't touch the editing. I know how to do it. Don't. And you as an entrepreneur, you have a lot of ego. And when I started my business, I was like, dude, no one can work. I, I'm, I take a lot of pride in my hard work. I'm like, dude, no one can work harder than me. I am the hardest worker. I don't want you even to touch this stuff because I can do it. And the problem with that is that's fine, but it's not sustainable. And you're also not showing any trust to anyone else. So the most important thing is to set up systems is to automate stuff. And automation, it doesn't mean to use a machine. It can mean to use that. But the goal should be figure out the smallest processes of your business that are tasks that you're doing and make it so that it's, number one, it's easily measurable and it's easily teachable. Um, you can teach it to someone and it's measurable. So one of the reasons why a company like, for instance, McDonald's, this was before there was a lot of uh, private and, and, and venture capital, McDonald's group, because Ray Kroc had found a way in which to teach someone how to flip a burger and make those fries that dude, you go to every country in the world and they taste the same. Isn't that nuts? So he found a way in how to train an average person with like a middle school degree on how to flip a burger and make a fry and do the fries in less than 3.25 minutes. That's it. That's how long it takes. So wow. think about how much he can scale. And he, and he can make it in a four by four note card. So he can explain the most important process of that business in a four by four note card. And anyone can do it. You don't need to be a surgeon. You don't need to be like, um, I mean, I can teach my like 11 year old like cousin to do it. Like it's not hard. And this is a process where a lot of CEOs, I'm like, and I go in their companies now and I do the same. I was like, dude, why are you doing that stuff? Why are you, why are you spending your time hogging your time doing that? When, and these are companies that have obviously have um, income where they can outsource it, but they don't. A lot of times it's ego because the CEO thinks that they're they're the best in the world and whatever whatever they do, and this, and they don't have a system in place where they can actually teach people what they're doing. And people are probably listening to this like, dude, I have no interest in selling my company though. And it doesn't that's not what this is about. This is about setting up a system, even if you're not selling your company. So everything you're doing is written down, it's organized, and. Any, every single process is down to the T. So when you do want to scale, you can actually pass it off to someone else. And you can do this from, like, you guys are doing a podcast. Like, so much goes into it from scheduling to, like, the Google Docs and drives and folders. And being able to organize it will not only allow you guys to pump out more content because everything's organized. You know where everything is. But it also allows you to have a better quality show over time because you know where everything is. 
most people, when they start like a podcast or a project, like, okay, I'll just save it on my desktop and I'll, something is in this file and it's in this folder and it's randomly everywhere and there's no organization. And the problem with that is it will work in the beginning. You can brute force your way to success, but after a period of time, systems will always beat human emotion because human emotion, man, like I said before, it's fickle. It changes Monday and then it changes Tuesday. So when you don't have a system in place, then you're leaving the success of your business based on how you feel. Because right now, when I was doing everything in my company, man, like I was shipping, handling, doing everything, what would happen, dude? I'd go to the gym and I'd be like, oh, I got to hit a PR today. And then I go, like, the other day I want to hit a PR because I'm trying to train for strength. So I go into this, uh, the, um, I just warm up, dude, which is the chest press, and I feel a twinge in my shoulder and it messed up my whole workout. And I was pissed. So now I come home and I got to do all this stuff for my company. Do you think I'm going to do a good job because I'm pissed? No, I'm going to be pissed. I'm not going to do a good job because my emotion now is the, is going to influence everything I do. But the co- good thing is that I have a system in place and the system is cold, it's rational, and it has no emotion. The system works whether I like it or I don't. 24-7, the system keeps working. It's an automated process that's not dependent on human input. So think about when you are really in the zone and focused and you want to get all your work done. You like how much shit do you produce? Like you're just a machine at that point. But think about that's maybe once or twice a week. Think about 24/7. If you could produce that type of work output every fucking day, every minute of the day, that's what great systems can do. And your business, dude, will leapfrog uh, to the next level. And I hope that people can, even if you're not an entrepreneur, if you listen to this, um, we talk about podcasts. I have a podcast, and a lot of it is just organization. Man. Like, where is all the stuff? Where is all the files? We got to do snippets for Instagram. Where is all the stuff? Where are the logins? Like, where's the passwords? Like, there's so much shit going on. Just organization, dude, that's the most important thing. And there's a system in place about how everything is done at what time stuff is done. Because that way, dude, my emotion, it just doesn't matter anymore. You know? So let me highlight some of these things, Prady, that, that we're going through right now. First of all, I really appreciate the analogy, the metaphor of of the uh, the parent and and the the business being a baby, right? Because that it really it really drives the point home. In that, first of all, the infant you have to take such good care of it because it is so fragile. But there's a time when, and there's an art to this that I'm still I, I have young kids, and I'm trying right. to I'm trying to learn this art form of systematically letting go so that they can flourish and be their own people, right? Because yes. if I hold on too tight, then they're not going to function as, you know, yes. healthy adults one day, right? Yes. And so you have to start this process way back when they're right now they're they're 10 and 7, right? So I'm yes. I'm starting this process and trying to wean them and and trying to develop them so that they're going to um, like I said function as, as healthy adults on their own independently one day. So that that I really appreciate the, the way that we're framing that right now. And also, you know, I like also the 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 notion that the automaticity that that, you, that you're speaking of. It's not just so that you can sell the business. It's it, what if you get sick one day? What if you injure yourself one day? What if you you, you break up with your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whomever it is? Yep. You know, those kinds of things they alter your perceptions. They alter your mood, of course, and which right. which alters your perceptions. And then you're coming at this this thing with that altered perception, and it's going to skew. Um, the way that you do things, and, and so the more uh, the, the more automaticity that automaticity that you have, 
the greater chances you have of repeating your success over and over again. And I think that's very important, like you said, not just for business, but for life. You know, what am I doing right now, like a podcast or anything else that I'm doing in in my job, um, that I need it to be automatic so that I am not thrown off by whatever life's going to throw at me. And so I really appreciate these concepts. My next question is, though, in order, let's go back to selling your business just for a moment. In order to do something like that, or maybe it's to scale, maybe it's to grow. In order yep. to do that, do you have to have this component in place? Do, do you have to have that level of, of things being automatic before you should scale or before you plan on selling? Because if you don't, you're kind of, you're going to fall flat. Yeah, the answer to that is 110%. So for selling, absolutely. Um, and like I just said, it, does the sale the your business isn't val there's no value to it and because if you're gone then there's no business and that's why when people are buying businesses they're looking at if you're gone can I take it over so mm-hmm. there's a lot of businesses that are done based on personality let's say Gary Vee right he has his VaynerMedia um, killing it right but the question is if Gary Vee stops doing his videos if like Joe Schmo takes it over would Gary Vee have the brand have any value? No, it's Gary V is talking. So Gary Vee makes a shitload of money. I think like 10, 12 million bucks this year. They put that in his pocket. But the question is, if he sells that, like, is it intrinsically valued? The answer is no. So there's a lot of people who have business based on their personality, very profitable. But the answer is if they're not doing it anymore, it's not valuable intrinsically. Right. So, and I want people to use the, the analogy quickly of the most valuable <laughs> thing we know that's the biggest wealth generator in this country, which is called real estate. Why is real estate valuable? Because if you own a home and I'm like, James, I want to buy your home. You're like, okay, I signed paperwork. And the minute I move in your house, I don't need you anymore. I can use the house without you explaining to me how to use the shop. Like, I don't need you anymore. So mm-hmm. the house, the asset is intrinsically valued without the owner. Like, that's why real estate is so valuable. That's why banks give money on real estate. That's collateral because you don't need the owner. Like, real estate is just a paper that's exchanged. And so if you can make your business so systematized when you're really looking to sell, and that's when you're for a lot of entrepreneurs, this we'll we'll talk about it the next, but uh, in another episode. But they talk about equity and profits. If you want to re- really make like fuck you money, that will only happen if you sell your business. That's where you make all your money, um, because equity doesn't mean shit. It only means you only get paid when you sell. So right. a lot of people do want to sell their business, and the problem is that they don't do that. They have no intrinsically valuable business. So your goal should be making it as easy as a real estate transaction. Here's the paperwork. I'm describing every single process about how it's done. Everything's automated. Here it is. And the other person, the entity that's buying you, should be able to walk in and just turn key and just be able to take it over. If you have that, your business will sell for a massive amount of multiple. Even more, like I give you my example, where I was making six to seven times more of the profit. Like that's ridiculous. And they still didn't choose to buy my business. And that was a huge learning lesson for me. And that business, it was not a success at the end. I, I couldn't do anything with it. I, I literally had this business that I couldn't do anything. No one would buy it. And that was like, what the hell? So you need for for, for selling 100%. There's no other way. Mm-hmm. Now, the second thing, though, for scale, it's also very important because you can grow your business, but the foundations are not organized. Like, how are you going to scale? How do you scale? You add more employees or you add new products or you buy other businesses. But the problem is if you are unorganized right now, the whole thing is going to collapse. Think about if you're a student and you're taking three courses right now and you never do your homework on time. You don't know where your papers are. You don't you're like everything's a mess. And now it's, and you're, you're like, okay, let's take seven more courses this year. 
dude, like you're going to be completely overloaded. And this happens to a lot of businesses in America. They're like, dude, we're doing well. We got some good profits. We're doing great. And they're brute forcing their way through like manual stuff. I've seen people, dude, having their balance sheet. I'm not joking. Like literally they just write it on like a note card. I'm not joking. Like they do this. They don't even have a balance sheet, nothing. And then like, okay, we'll buy another business. And then they buy another business and all these people move into their office. They have 20, 30 people. And they're like, hey man, I want to get paid. Where's my... Where's my healthcare stuff? It's like, what? I don't, we don't, I don't know where it is. I don't know. Like the, the, the whole business crumbles. Um, people have some time. They should go on Crunchbase or any of the big business websites. You can see when small business acquire another business, I think the failure rate is massively high. I think it's over 80%. Mm. They completely crumble because their profits are okay. But my question always is when a company comes to me, it's like, Freddie, we're profitable. Would you like to buy us? Would you like to invest? I'm like, why are you profitable? And they're like, well, we sell this product. I was like, but what is the main driver of this business? And is that systematized and automatized? If the answer is no, then I don't do it. One of the big businesses that I stay away from are, for instance, restaurants. I'm like, a restaurant is like, hey, we're massively profitable. I think you should buy us. I'm like, why are you profitable? We have a great chef. He's a great chef. I was like, well, I don't want to buy it then. They're like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, what happens if your chef dies? Like, or if he leaves? <laughs> what, what is it? <laughs> this is worse shit. Like, you have no business then. So why would I buy your business? Your business is dependent on the chef cooking good-ass food. So it's not a system. I would rather buy a franchise because then it's systematized. Subway, it doesn't matter if it's some, like, uh, I don't know, some Asian guy who owns it or some Indian guy who owns it or some French guy who owns it. The Subway tastes the same in every part of the country. Mm-hmm. I, I was in India um, a few, a few uh, months ago. And I had Subway there. It tasted the same as the one I get in Boston. That's fucking nuts. And there were two different people that don't even – they're from two different continents and it tastes the same. That's a business that I want to invest in, not the guy who has a great restaurant at the the Boston Harbor where it's dependent on the chef. I hope hope that makes sense for people because if you put it that way, you're like, okay, you know, so. Absolutely. So if somebody's listening to this who is like just now realizing that – they don't have these systems in place, but they're trying yep. to build this business. Uh, is it possible to save that or does it depend on how big you've gotten yourself so far? Like you said, with your business ended up not being a success in the end yep. because of this scenario, you are a part of everything. So like with that, were you not able to kind of go back and implement those systems into the company or was it just too big at the time to be able to do that? Yeah. So the big part with that is in my mind, I had actually, I wanted to sell it the whole time. So I had enough runway, enough thing had built in just to be able to sell it after like two, three years. And we were at the last year mark. And I was like, I don't know how to continue this. And I also realized that I, there was only 24 hours in a day. And I was like putting in like at least 18, like working. The, and there was like no way for this couldn't scale anymore. And this was at a point where it's too late. I could have brute forced my way through. Um, but I chose not to, um, I took my losses and I took some of the profits and it it was still, it worked out, but the business was, we folded it. Um, but if you're having, listening to this right now, if you have a small business or you're starting off, it could be a project, anything you're doing, um, even at work, um, start with the bottom line, start with like, dude, I got to organize my papers, man. Like I got to have folders at my house, like, or in my office or uh, go on Google drive and just put like, make folders for everything. Here's my balance sheet. Here's my expenses. Here's my photos here's that just start with that start with the basics and that alone will set up a cascade of effects it's like the um making your bed in the morning effect right who cares about if you make your bed well if you make your bed that's a small win so every every day i make my bed i make my bed and i start my day like this the first thing i do and then everything else there's an organization and system so it's crazy dude like i have a bad day sometimes and i wake up and i'm stressed dude i'm late sometimes i've been late dude and i still make my bed isn't that crazy like Mm. why would i make my bed if i'm running late i just do it it's a habit 
Um, so what your goal is to build good habits over time, and it can start with something small. And I think that will um, that will change. And we see it. I mean, you guys talk a lot about health and fitness. What what causes people not to be successful in their diets is not because they're eating shitty foods. They just have shitty health habits. Like they they haven't internalized. Like when you when I'm dieting for a show, I don't eat like fatty shit. I don't eat a certain amount of carbs. Like it's just not it's not in my habit. So what we're talking about here, systems, is creating habits in your business. So that you do it anyways. Like I shower twice a day anyways. If I'm having a bad day, dude, I still shower. I still brush my teeth like every fucking day. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is. I still do it. So if you have your business where you're doing things no matter what, I think you're going to be a success. And one of the things and to answer your question, yes, you can start even though if you're far off, it's more difficult. But say, hey, guys, we're going to stop everything for a second and we're going to for the next two months. All we're going to do is organize everything. We're going to organize every folder. We're going to organize every email. We're going to organize how every task is done. Um, and I think that's a, a big, a big, big, big part um, of that. I had to do this, for instance, in my company. And as I was starting it, it was just a project. It wasn't a real business. I've talked about this before. And all of a sudden I want to scale. I'm like, OK, dude, I got to organize all this stuff. So I put everything on hold. We put sales on hold for a little bit and I organize everything where everything is just inefficient. Like if someone says, Freddie, where are the pay stubs from March 2019? I can tell you where they are right now in my head. I know exactly where they are. I can send you a link. Like it will take me 20 seconds to find it. So that's what I'm talking about. But you can always do it. It's more difficult the bigger you are. Uh, but I would tell people to just pause some stuff and just focus on that. And you might think, no, dude, I can't pause because that would mean I'll lose more profits. But think about the profits you lose down the line because you're not organized. Yeah, yeah. right. Wow. And a, a, a huge benefit of this conversation for anyone who's listening is to learn from other people's lessons, right? This is something my father used to try to tell me when I was younger a lot. He's like, learn from my mistakes that I'm conveying to you right now. Yeah. Because he knew that I had a hard head, that I was going to do things the hard way nine times out of 10. But most of the time, at least in my adult life, it, it's not out of rebellion. It's out of ignorance. It's out of lack of knowledge, right? And so you mentioned the podcast, how disorganized or unorganized one can be um, starting out because they just don't put the files in, in, a, in a good place. You know, they don't, you know, separate things and file them accordingly. And it can cause a lot of chaos. And that's something that to some degree we had to learn the hard way when we were first starting out because we didn't have the benefit of this podcast talking to us right now. So I hope people can really grasp onto that. Here's, here's one thing that sticks out in my mind right now. Systems are more important than profits, right? That that does it seems counterintuitive in a big way for someone who uh, hasn't been through what you've been through, right? That story that you've relayed to us, it, it's an eye opener because who would have thought that something like organization, like like a system being put in place, can influence your your bottom line so much down the road, right? And so it's something that you have to project yourself into, which a lot of this conversation uh, and, and the other conversations that we've had are about projecting, right? It's about thinking about what's coming down the pike in the future and preparing for that. And these systems are so important, so important. And so you mentioned habits, right? And that's that's a good life lesson there, not just for entrepreneurs, but for anyone. You know, when it comes to diet, nutrition, and exercise, build in your systems into your life or else you're going to fail, right? When it comes to uh, things like making your bed, brushing your teeth, all of those things. You know, my grandfather used to always say, you know, the uh, the old saying, uh, early to bed, early to, ri early to rise, right? And there's some truth to that because that in and of itself is a life system that we inject into our day-to-day our -day habits. Um, so aside from habits, Prady, what are some other generalities, some other general systems that we can kind of discuss in order to help people to better 
prepare themselves for the future while in business? Yeah. Um, and, and just to, to add to that, because I think when we talk about systems, there's a lot of some people that talk about it and it seems so weird. Like, what is a system? What is that? I want people to just listen to what you just said and maybe go and repeat. We all of us, dude, we already have systems in our life every mm -hmm. day. You all of us, everyone listening has a system already. Think about and I just give the example. I want people to think about it again. Every day you wake up. I think most people a like brush their teeth probably um hopefully and that's a system. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so th th that's a system you mm -hmm. already have a system in your life then you shower you know when i come from the gym i shower because i'm like sweaty and i want to shower and that's what i do so you already have systems in your life so i want people to think about those habits that they've already have in their life and think about it and you will notice dude when you're sad or depressed or whatever happens you're still doing those things and if you can do that in business or whatever you're doing in your life, it's just automatically going to happen without emotion. Emotions are awesome. But I always say, dude, emotions will let you down, dude, all the time. Mm -hmm. Like building your business on emotion, building your success on emotion. Uh, I'm motivated today, dude. I watch a Gary Vee video. I want to start a business. Well, what is going to happen when you're not motivated? Are you not going to start? Like, are you going to screw all your employees over? Like, are you not going to pay them? Like, what's going to happen, man? So um, I hope people realize that this is not some abstract concept. We have had some really prominent people talk about systems, but the way they talk about it, dude, it's some like mathematical formulation. And when I was listening to it, I was like, dude, I don't know what the hell are you talking about. Oh, it's like, it's like me brushing my teeth and like, oh yeah, I guess. And that's, that's, I hope people recognize that it's just a habit. Um, the, another, another thing to, um, to, to, to really uh, piggyback of this is you're talking about systems. And the other thing too is with people and, you know, people think about, well, this might be an unrelated talk, but it's very, they're very close tied together is, when you're building your business for scale and when you're putting systems in place, you will have to have this concept and you're going to have to be okay with firing yourself. Um, I've talked about this concept a little bit here and there, but a lot of CEOs, and I say this all the time, they're so quick to fire other people and say, you're horrible, you're not doing this right, you're a shitty employee, but they don't fire themselves because their ego is this big. Mm. The profits might be this small, but the ego is massive. They think they're the greatest. Um, I have a system in place, and which is a system. If someone else can do the task that I'm doing 75% as good as I can, I fire myself from it. Every month, I'm like, what am I doing every day? I fire myself from it. So that means then you give this task that you're doing, you create a system, and you give it to someone else. Your goal as a CEO, as you're scaling, in the beginning when you start off, you're not going to be able to pay people because you don't have the money. So the person that the, the cheapest labor you can find is yourself because you work for free. But once you have profits coming in, you're somewhat profitable, even if it's a few hundred grand, your goal should be, how can I fire myself from the day-to-day -day tasks that I'm doing? And you then have to go and look and find people who can do your task, not at hundred percent. Don't worry about it. No one, you can't, I mean, it's, who are you going to find that's going to be as passionate as you need you do? Dude, that's awesome. Mm. But if someone can do your job at 60, 75, usually I would say 75%, give that task away to that person. And that will force you to make sure you can describe that task that you're doing on a Google. Doc. For me, it's just, I need to be able to write what I'm doing in one paragraph on a Google Doc. Eventually, I want to get so good at the processes in our company that I can write it in one sentence without it being a run-on sentence. Because right now, when I write in one, it's like a run-on sentence that never ends. Right now, I'm at one paragraph. So my goal is to be such a good entrepreneur that every system in my business is one sentence, and I can give that Google Doc to the virtual assistant, whoever I'm having, and they can do that job proficiently. So this is where, in order to really scale your systems, you're going to have to outsource them either through bringing in employees, contractors, 
And we can talk about where you find those people as well. Virtual virtual assistants. And you're going to have to be okay with firing yourself from every job. The way we started this podcast was me talking about my massive ego, thinking about how hard I work and how awesome I am. And that ended up being the biggest reason why I didn't, that business was never sold. And that cost me a lot of money. Like I would have been in a totally different league if I had done that. And it was a big mistake. That was one of my most profitable business that was a failure because I had such a big ego. So don't make that mistake. And you made a great example before is like, I always say smart people, they learn from their own mistake and wise people learn from the mistakes of others. So, mm, don't right. themselves. so please learn from, from this. That's huge. So Prady, clarify for me, is it, is it the goal to be able to fire fire yourself from these tasks? Is that something that you should be looking to do or is that just a, a byproduct of growth? It's a byproduct of growth, but it sh- that's the way you grow. So if there's no urgency, my goal is I need people to do my tasks. Like I don't want to manually slap labels on all my products because that doesn't help with profitability. That's just something that we need to do. Yeah. So my goal is to is to is absolutely to fire myself because if I don't have that urgency, I'll just be like, oh, I'll just do it myself. And then see, there's going to be a little voice in your head. It's like, dude, I'll just do it myself. I don't need to scale. Why should you be able like, dude, right now we have people on payroll at my, as is, for instance, I can't fuck around. Like I need to make sure that we make X amount of profit because I get make, you got to pay those people. Mm. So I have an extra driving force that I, that I have to, but when I was working by myself, there's a little voice in your head, like, dude, what am I going to do with all this profits? It's just me anyways. You know, there might be that voice in your head. So if you really want to have a profitable business that actually is scaling, um, that's, uh, that's what kind of the point of the show is, then the goal should be to fire yourself from every task. And that's going to light a fire in your ass to grow your business to such an extent where you can afford that. Um, the good thing though, right now is that we live in a global economy. So there's a lot of virtual assistants, people on Fiverr, Upwork. College campuses are great that people want to do gigs and small jobs. Um, I, I, I work with a lot of college students that want to have some experience, and obviously they all get paid, but they're not someone that's going to charge like $60,000 in, in, in health insurance. Like that. So you don't have to do that. So take advantage of the internet. There's a lot of people, um, Upwork or Fiverr or any of those service gig-based things, they will do the job for you gladly. And yes, it is, should be your goal. To look at all the tasks you're doing, like, dude, you're the CEO of your company. Do you really, um, should you really be focusing all your attention on small tasks? No. And it's not an ego thing that, hey, I don't want to do like shipping labels, but it's the point that you can't serve your customers. How many customers are you going to serve if all you're doing, if you're this genius CEO entrepreneur and all you're doing is slapping labels? Like, it's not smart. So your goal should be growth and strategy. So uh, every month I have to fire myself from two tasks. That's how I have it. Hopefully I can ramp that up, but that's what I do. Every month I fire myself. I'm like, what did I do today? Oh, I can outsource that. I can outsource that. My goal is to free up my time as much as possible so I can sit down and, and think about strategy. And I want to give people an example. One of the people that we know, an American icon, uh, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, uh, like last year, he made $1.2 million every hour. Um, that's his. That's what he bought home. Mm. Now, does Warren Buffett, like an average person, makes 20, 30? If you 1.2 and 20, do you think Warren Buffett works harder or more hours than the like I don't know thousand ten thousand more hours than the average American worker no he doesn't right. Warren Buffett has come out and says 80% of the time he's just reading and walking around now I'm not saying he's not a hard worker what I'm saying is that Warren Buffett spends all his energy thinking about how he scales his ventures and strategically acquiring other ventures freeing up his time to think about what's the next big thing happening on the landscape so he's not actually doing physical labor all the time. And that's what got him to making one. It's a ridiculous figure. $1.2 million every <laughs> hour a day. Right. Yeah. It's insane. Right? And that, that's his, that's his income. Right. So I'm just making an example that it's not just about, um, and 
it all ties together, but a lot of entrepreneurs, we're so proud that we work hard. I'm very proud that I work hard. I work 100 hours, but that's not linearly and correlately related to your success as an entrepreneur. That's not just we working 100 hours and doing what? Like, So if I'm doing 100 hours and all I'm doing is proofreading stuff and uh, slapping labels and just doing tasks, and that's not going to make me the next Mark Zuckerberg. It's just not. like, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just honestly not. So he's not doing that stuff. And, and that's... Um, you have to be able to let go. A lot of times I hear a lot of entrepreneurs, dude, all my coworkers, uh, all my co-founders, they suck. They're horrible. They're shitty people. All my employees, just, no one's as passionate, man. They're not working hard. They suck. I was like, how is it possible that every single person sucks? Like maybe you just have such a big ego. You don't, you don't want to do anything. You don't want to uh, give anything. But also one of those CEOs, you know what they have problem with? They don't trust anyone. Hmm. Like you work for them and they don't want to give you any tasks. They're like, no, I will do it. I'll do it. So if I'm an employee, I've worked at those places. And the CEO was like, no, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I was like, dude, you don't trust me, man. So I'm not going to work hard for you either. So then it's a two-way street. I My job performance suffers because I feel like the CEO doesn't trust me with shit. Like, dude, give me like at least a month to learn how to do this. And they're like, no, you suck. You're horrible. You're not as motivated. And I was like, just give me a month, you know? Um, so I used to work for those type of CEOs. And I was like, I'm never going to do that. So I give a lot of trust and responsibility to people who work with the company. And I know that it's going to take them maybe a month or two to learn it. But once they do it's okay. Like I'll spend, invest the time in that so that down the line I can free up my time and think about bigger picture stuff. And that's how I've gotten to acquiring so many companies, acquiring manufacturing facilities, acquiring distribution networks. Like I've started to own a lot of them because I've spent my time doing that, thinking about that as opposed to shipping labels, you know? Yeah. I I think people get more motivated by being involved in more things too. Like that whole trust thing. You can trust somebody more when you put them in those kind of positions and see that they succeed, but it, it, right. it motivates them to have more to do and makes them feel like they're more invested in the company that they're working for. Yeah. I, I think the best way to motivate someone is not by giving speeches or something or to show respect is by giving them responsibility. Um, that's what I've always felt. Like if I want to show someone, dude, I respect you, man. I give him a ton of responsibility. Like right now, like as we have a like 21, 20 year old kid that's running our social, he came in, he's like, I want to do some stuff. And I, I give him like massive amounts of responsibility. Be like, dude, you should become the face of the company, do everything. And he was like, what the hell? It's like too much, <laughs> but, but it took time for him to learn it. But now he's doing a great job and he's doing really well. And that shows, that's for me, the best way to show, dude, I respect you. And that, and now he feels motivated to, to work because I actually do really respect what he brings to the table. And if it takes me two months to train him, dude, I'll do it. Like I will sit with you and train you um, and help you succeed. And I, I don't know. I think a lot of uh, CEOs and not all of them, but many of them are just dicks. Like they think that they're smart and they're the best and they're they're because they're more money or whatever, that they're better. It's just not true. So learn and they're shooting themselves in the foot because they think they, because you think you know it all then you're never going to outsource anything. If you never outsource anything, you can't really scale. Then you're just becoming a taskmaster. And then you stay, you can say you're an entrepreneur on Instagram, but your business isn't really like, it's not doing, doing like, it's not growing. It's just the same every year. So what's the point? You know? mm, yeah. A lot of important points here, you know, and it reminds me of in my own position, Prady, I, I don't own the company. I work for a company, but I'm in a director position within the company. And so the yep. company, the owner has uh, given, responsibility to oversee these this certain component within that company and then there are people who um, are under me in which I have to also trust them to carry right. out these tasks that I can't be across the entire state doing myself so I'm put in a position where I have to be able to trust them but you bring up an important point here today that I'm going to take home with me and I'm going to use uh, it, the fact that it's more than just trying to give speeches and try to motivate through communication through language. <laughs> It's the it's the giving that responsibility is a way to build that trust. 
And that's huge, right? Because it's not just the fact that I have to give them responsibilities because I'm only one man and can't be everywhere. But it's it's the it's the fact that by giving them this responsibility, I'm entrusting them, and that builds a relationship, a, a cohesiveness, and cooperation, so that you're getting these things done. And so that's 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 a great point. I, I love that. Yeah. I love that point that you brought up. So I'm taking that home with me personally today because I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. take that, and I think it's gonna enhance uh, my perspective on on the way I do my job. Yeah, it's huge. Um, I know that like when I growing up, like my dad wasn't a very emotional person. He wouldn't like talk much, but the way he would show that he respected and his, like his love for me, he would give me stuff. He would give me responsibility, like in the house. He'd like go do this, like do this, and he would like give an order. And I would like, you know, as a son, I would feel like, oh, like for me, that meant so much that he was trusting me with something that was important to him to do. Mm-hmm. That meant more than him like, oh, Pratty, you're the greatest son ever. And like, you know, and that's all awesome stuff. Like my mom would do that. Like I'm very emotional, but my dad would give me responsibility. And that's what I picked up in my own life. And I feel that that's how I show respect. And that's how I show care. It's not me. Like, like I said, dude, I can give a lot of motivational speeches, but like, do you really trust me? Like, and I, and I don't know. Um, and if I'm willing in my company, like, dude, I trust you here. Take one of the most critical parts of the organization and you're going to do it. If you need me, I'll be here. But you know what, dude, I trust you to do it. Now you can't just give your trust away to everyone. Of course you have to have your own process, but when you think for me, it's always like, I usually trust most people that I've been involved with. And unless they, you know, they kill my trust, then I, I will, I will trust them unless something badly happens. Then I'll be like, okay, well, that wasn't, and I, and I, you don't have to shoot them down immediately too. Like, oh, you messed up. It happens, right? You make mm-hmm. mistakes. I'm like, okay, man, why did this happen? How can we solve it? And I'll work with them on it over. And even if they make a mistake, that's another, that's an even a higher level when they fuck it up and they break something that they're supposed to do, show them faith. Like, okay, well, how can we solve it? We'll work on it together. That for me has been much, much better approach than any type of motivational stuff or bringing outside speakers or any of that. Like, and that's how I was raised, like with my father, not a very emotional man, but would give me responsibilities that were important for him. And he would give them and delegate them to me. And that for me showed, okay, he trusts me. Um, and that was so important for me growing up. And that's how I became mature and, and, and older. And, uh, but yeah, man, and, and we talk a lot about parenting and that was a thing we, we started with um, the first episode as well, because mm-hmm. a lot of it is just all relationship building. Um, and one of the things too, that you mentioned earlier is good parents. And if you want to make your children that they're thrive in society, like you can't be a helicopter parent and be there all the time because they're not going to be able to function too. So get delegating responsibility. And like, if, if you're doing that, like, don't be like a helicopter person, like, Hey dude, what are you doing? Report to me every minute, every second. Like you can't do that. That doesn't show responsibility. It doesn't show respect and that you care. So um, you have to find the right balance and every person is going to have to find out how to do it and when's the right time. Uh, but that's also with like, and it comes back to parenting. You want to be there for your kid. You want to protect them. But at a certain point, you can't like be in their lives and dictate everything they do because that's not going to allow them to be functional adults and that who can have responsibility when they grow up. And we, we all know people like kids who have been spoiled and their parents have always been around. They come to college or they're by, on their own and they can't they can't survive. And so you don't want to create that type of kid. Um, and that's a mistake sometimes that with my business that I call my child or my infant. I had made it before because I was a helicopter parent with my business. I was doing everything because I thought, dude, no one's harder working than me. I'm, I, I know what's right and I'm going to involve myself. And I hacked and brute forced my way to millions of dollars of revenue, me, myself, with like other people. But it was me doing everything. And then when the time came to become independent, it collapsed. And that is something hopefully that people can can take away from this. Interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, looking back on it now, my dad did the same exact thing. 
except for looking back on it now, I don't think he was trying to give me responsibilities. I think he just didn't want to do the work. So I was mowing the yard and I was doing all these extra things. Right, I can, I, right. But if I look at it the way that you're coming from, I can be like, he was a good dad. Right, right, right. I, I, I'm old enough to remember I, I was the remote control in the TV. This was this yeah. predated remote controls. And so when the TV needed to be changed, I had to get up and do it. But aside from that, though, you know, you, you mentioned Warren Buffett, Brady, and I, you know, I'm sure that Warren Buffett didn't start out just by reading and looking at the big picture and walking around studying business, right? He started out on the ground floor just like everybody else. And so it it causes me to wonder, and I, I may be stating the obvious here, but it causes me to wonder, you know, he didn't give, um, he didn't give high priority positions to any employees right away. Like, so you got to prioritize how important this position is. So you mentioned, uh, slapping labels on on a product um an important thing has to be done you, you've got to do that for your business but it's different than say you know uh anything in bookkeeping you know lo- looking at the books and and you know looking at the margins and figuring out where you're going to put your you know where this capital is going to go into your business next is there a system for that and, and am i on point as far as prioritizing to make sure that you're not giving those really high level high priority positions away right away or is it just dependent on the person with whom your employee is what kind of person they are and what kind of responsibility they can take on yeah i know that's critical i think the one of the big mistakes is sometimes people take it too far they want to just outsource everything like right. virtual assistants for everything and i think that's a big mistake for all the critical things in your business and in the beginning i think it actually is a smart thing for you to know how to do everything like i know in azith what it's like to ship orders to go to the mail to slap labels because I've done thousands of them. I actually still personally write every note. So I still do that. That's not a, you know, people say it's not skill, but I still do that. So I know every process from bookkeeping to where it's stored. I go to my facility, like I know everything. So when I wanted to outsource, I knew the task in the back of my hand. And so when I'm outsourcing, when, I know, when I've done the task myself and I've done it proficiently, I can help other people succeed in that job because I've done it myself. And I also know the requirements of the job well. And third, I also know when they're slacking, they can't fuck with me. And this happens yeah. a lot because like sometimes people are like, oh, I'm we're a marketing agency. We're gonna help you market your thing. And then they, they talk about this happens a lot now, like with Facebook marketing and like, oh, they make it seem it's like so difficult. But I have done all the marketing myself digitally. Like I know every I know every term. And people will tell you like one of the things about me, I know a little bit of everything in my business. Like there's no one thing from like how it gets blended to how the everything works in my in the capsules of as like I know everything I've done it all and I know it so I know it enough where I can understand the task just well enough so there's I definitely am a big proponent of knowing all the critical pieces of your business just enough where you've done them yourself proficiently and the second thing is too you don't go out and delegate like things that are massively important uh, to your business that are absolutely the critical pieces so finance and 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 that's why those roles are what we call C-suite roles so those are executive roles that you would give to people who have earned massive amounts of trust. I wouldn't go to my virtual assistant and be like, figure out my margins in the beginning or, or like do all, but I'm okay with giving them like bookkeeping responsibilities, but it's still someone who's an executive level to find out um, whether they, um, to really make decisions on a strategy level. So here's the system, strategy, top level stuff, stuff that are tasked, bottom level stuff that you can outsource. That's been always my thing. Like what's a task, what's strategy related? Where do I actually need to use a lot of like mental acuity? Um, if I have to, this I call it the music test. If I can read, listen to music and do the task, that it's a task that's outsourceable for me a lot of times. Cause if I'm like, when I was sl- sh- slapping labels or when I'm like, uh, 
I don't know, like doing regular stuff, like putting tape, I was putting buying tape and putting it on top. Like I was doing all crazy shit, doing printing stuff. I'd print out, I have a printer here and I'd print out all the labels. Cause in the beginning we weren't doing that many, like, like 50, 60 orders a day. So I was doing it myself and I was listening to music, dude. I was listening to rap or a podcast or whatever. And I was having a good time. Those tasks are easily outsourceable because we know that our brain, when, when we listen to music and we're doing a task, our brain actually can't do both really well. So when you're listening to music and you actually know the words, your brain then is an autopilot and you're just doing it subconsciously. So if it's a subconscious task that you're doing, for me, it's always been something I can outsource. But if I have to think about strategy, dude, what's my next marketing plan? Uh, how do I network with that person? How do I, how do we find out where, um, you know, what's our cost of customer acquisition? Like really need to do the nitty gritty math and think about it stuff. I can't listen to music because I need to turn it off. It's too, I need too much concentration. Yeah. Um, and those things uh, I don't outsource until much later. And then, um, we'll talk about it on uh, on the next episode. Like, how do you find a co-founder and stuff? And that's where that really comes into play. So that's been my system, the yeah. music test. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's very illuminating too. The strategy versus task. That yeah. that's a, that's a great way to compartmentalize what it is that's in front of you and how you would delegate or or not um, from that point. And so that's that's a great answer, man. I love that. That's that's awesome. So, pretty run up on time here. Can you? Uh, is there anything else we're missing as far as systems go? That's going to be super important that anybody should know uh, as far as entrepreneurship, starting your own business is concerned that we've that we've not touched on yet. No, I, I think that the main takeaway here is start often and do it early. Um, the earlier you start with all your systems, then do it. I think in yeah. the beginning we start thinking, dude, what is it, man? I get like one order a day, whatever. Like I have one episode I'm putting out a day. Who cares? Like you i'll figure it out later and the problem is there is no later so the earlier you start the easier it becomes and you lay a foundation of the house that's strong because what what does happen and i hope it does happen and your business will grow um and if you don't think your business won't if it will grow then it shows that you have a lack of confidence and there's an inner voice that's going to tell you you're always going to be a small business if you're mm -hmm. doing something and you think hey man i'm starting a podcast and it's going to go viral and we're going to have all these people then you should go with that mindset that everything should be organized from the start and it doesn't have to be a daunting task. All we're talking about here, man, is having folders and having stuff in Google Doc, having stuff in Google. I mean, there's so many tools out there, dude. Like, I can't, I can't even describe. There's all these free tools. You don't. This doesn't even cost any money anymore. Back in the day, you needed like. Uh, back in the day, dude, when I was in college, I had to get these. I had to go to Home Depot and buy these big ass folders and like color code. And I was horrible with that shit, and I hated it. Now it's, mm -hmm. it's easy, dude. I go to Google Drive and I just drag shit. And I can Google it. I'm like, where is this file? And I can search it on, on Google Drive. So there's all these easy tools that you can use and start from the scratch. And even if you're like, you don't have any customers today, you will have customers. And know that if you don't do it, when you do have customers, you're only going to be able to get that far. Like you won't be able to get further. You'll build your thing, whatever project or business will eventually collapse or you will actually shoot yourself in the foot. Mm. That's the first thing. And number two also is... Um, being able to be good at systems is forming habits, which you already have in your life. And the third part of this is be okay to delegate tasks in your life. Be, be honest with yourself. Am I just a taskmaster or am I actually doing real strategy work that's going to get me to the next level? What do you do on a daily basis that's going to help you get to the next level in your life? A lot of people are working hard. They're spending hours at work or they're spending hours on the project. But when you look at what they've actually done, on that project or on that business, it's just tasks every day. And that is something that you need to think about critically, man, these things are not going to get me to the next level. I'm just fulfilling orders every day. I'm not thinking about how to get more orders. I'm just fulfilling current orders. Mm -hmm. And that's, and I talked to a lot of supplement company owners and like, dude, I'm getting a thousand orders a month and that's it. And like, what are you doing today? I'm fulfilling a thousand orders. So what are you doing to get to 10,000? Nothing. 
There's nothing that they're doing. So fire yourself from it, give trust to other people and learn how to make a system that is easily uh, understandable and easily measurable and that you can ride in a four by four card. And that will make help you propel your business to the next level. And I'm just trying to, um, the goal here, dude, I just trying to, I use a lot of analogies and stuff like real life stuff because mm-hmm. I want to make this simple. Like business isn't this crazy concept that only people who have an MBA from like Wharton should understand. Or I read articles, dude, like business journals. I don't understand it. I have no idea what's going on. Like, I was like, I can't understand what you're talking about, man. So it's easy shit. Like anyone can understand it. So that's my goal. Just making it for everyone to understand because it is anyone can quote unquote do it if they want to, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And just as important as good systems, good habits are, right? Uh, would you say it's just as important to uh, undo or, 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 or alter in some way bad systems or bad habits uh, that, that may be holding you back? Like it, it kind of occurs to me that just filling orders, those thousand orders a month and not trying to build off of, off of what you already have could just be a bad habit that you've gotten into because you, you've habitually just filled in those thousand orders over and over again just to perpetuate your current business. And so what you want to do is step out of that, fire yourself, yep. as you put it, and, and, and get out of that bad habit. Um, find, a, find a way to get out of that. I know for me, you know, I've got a habit of when I, when I have a workout time, you know, I've got to get to the gym at this point in time. If I deviate from that, there's a there's a much greater likelihood that I'm not going to get yep. my workout in, right? Yep. So I've got to yep. try and stick to that habit and undo any bad habits I've got around that to protect that thing, that good system that I've got in place. Yeah, there's different scientific studies, but I think it takes about like good six months, you know, uh, like 102, 300 days, like to really get into like a, a habit that just sticks with you. So the hardest part of going to the gym is the beginning. Yeah. Just push it. Just go. Just go. Just go. Like don't let anything deviate. And then all of a sudden, dude, when you don't go to the gym, dude, you feel like shit. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I, I always didn't feel like fat rolls in my stomach or I feel like I, I feel like mushy. In my arms, I'm like, fuck, I gotta lift something because I'm right. so used to it. It's weird. I'm a bodybuilder. People don't understand. I was like, dude, I need a pump or I, need, I feel flat. And like, people are like, what are you talking about? It's because it's a habit for me. And you guys will understand you both live. I don't quote you lift a lot. So it's just like stuff that you know that you gotta lift. And so, um, yes, you should undo those habits. But the first part in undoing habit is to understand that you have a bad habit. And it's so easy because we're talking about it. And it's easy to say, oh, like all you do is fulfill orders. But it's so you like that, dude, two years passes and all you've been doing is tasks like that. Because you're thinking you're working hard, man. I'm not going on vacation. I'm doing this. I'm spending all this time working, but you're just fulfilling orders, man. And when I say that, it fucking hurts when I say that to those people because like how they, it, it actually crushes them because their identity is their work. But it's like, dude, you haven't been working. You've just been doing tasks, man. And it really hurts them. So I've tried to say it in a way where it doesn't totally destroy their entire like month and they get fucking depression and start doing crazy shit because people get really depressed when I say that. But it, like that, you fall in the habit, dude. And it can happen to the best of us. But I want people to do an inventory if they're running a business or a project. Like, what are you actually doing on a day-to-day basis um, that's actually big strategy stuff that's going to get you to the next level? Mm-hmm. And we, this is called the, – the Warren Buffett talks about this a lot. But this is called the, the rule of compounded rule, the rule of leverage, where you certain things, 80% of your results come from 20% of the things you do. The other 80% is just not – that doesn't produce anything. This is a fact. This is – scientifically just true so look at your life the 80 20 rule so 20 percent of the things that you're doing are actually bring 80 percent of the success so why are you focused on the other 80 percent that much that stuff you can outsource it's not your don't worry about it just find those 20 percent and you're and then if only you focus if you put 100 percent in the 20 percent your, your success is just going to skyrocket and it doesn't mean that you have to work more hours it's you have to work smarter and that's what systems teach you so wow 
That's, wow. a, that's a great way to end this episode. That, that was awesome. Prady, we thank you again, man. Looking forward to the next episode. If you could, though, lead us into what we're going to talk about uh, on episode four of this series. Yeah, I want to talk about the next one, and which is a big topic. And I've actually been going, I've been asking a couple of my like, friends and, and stuff about what they want to hear on the show, too. I um, mean, like what questions they might have. And one of the big questions that happens is how to fire, uh, fire and, and find a co-founder. Uh, when to fire them, when to hire them, and what is all this equity? How do you give out equity to people? Like, what is your, what does that even mean? Um, and 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 we talked about like outsourcing stuff to like VAs, but how to bring good talent and how to find the right co-founder. And I think that's a big thing for a lot of people because that's to get stuck, man. Dude, I don't know where to find. I got to find another partner. Where do I find a business partner? So I want to demystify that a little bit, and I also want to explain some stuff that sometimes get lost about what it means to give out equity and how to do that properly, what makes most sense, because I've seen a lot of it go wrong. And I'd love to talk about that topic. And yeah, I know we're, we're going to release them all and, and, and a lot of these episodes are going to come out. Uh, but feel free to obviously, you know, message you guys. Obviously, people are following you guys. Feel free to message me too uh, on Instagram. If you have any questions that you want me to go more, I'm like an open book. I, I try to respond as quick as I can. And I'll, I'll make sure to answer anything uh, that I know. And I always say, if I can't help you, I'll find someone who can um, that's always been my, my thing, and uh, I've always been able to do that. So Spectacular. Awesome. Thanks again, Prady. We'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks again to Prady Tuari, and thank you, CEP listener. Remember that word of mouth is like gold to us, so be sure to tell your friends and fam about our most humble yet completely fantastic show. Also remember to subscribe to the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download all those shows that you love. And you can also download the show at the launching pad for all things Cerebral at thecepodcast.com. If you need to contact us, you can do so at cerebral at thecepodcast.com and you know we love the way you love us on the socials when in fact you do love us on the socials so until we meet again please remember to keep your brains warm out there see ya